Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. We've been in this series in James, and last week I believe we talked about being... Anybody? Quick to listen, and today we're going to enter into slow to speak. Absolutely. So before we do, I'd love to pray, and then we'll dive in. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this time. God, we know that you're here already, but we just ask that your presence would be known and felt. God, I pray if there's anybody here that's just struggling with something going on right now or is having a rough time, Father, we pray that you would walk with them, send people into their lives to encourage them, to walk with them, to to help them through that time. Father, we need one another. God, we need to encourage one another. And Father, I pray that this morning as we talk about and try to understand what does it mean to be quick to listen and slow to speak, Father, what does that mean for us as Jesus followers, and how can we best represent you? Father, I pray that you would speak through me this morning, and, uh, but most of all, speak through your scripture. God, we love you and pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your swords, please turn to James. We're going to be in the first chapter, starting in verse 19. I'm going to read through this a couple times. Once, just read through it, and then the second time, I want to highlight a few things. So it says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, or per, yeah, perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed by his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to to speak. In today's world, we fight to be heard. We fight to be heard on social media. We fight to be heard in a lot of different platforms at work, at school, or in our families. And we have developed this nasty habit of being quick to speak and slow to hear. And what we need to do is switch that around, and we need to be quick to hear and process that and listen. And then we turn that, and we, and we kind of chew on that, and then we are slow to speak. 
Because there's so many things that we miss. If we miss this first part of being quick to hear, so being willing to listen, and if we immediately go into speaking, we're going to miss a lot of things. Because there are things that are going on in people's lives and the things that they're, they might be struggling with something or they might be trying to celebrate something, and we just want to just dive in super quickly. I find myself a lot of times in conversations as I'm talking to somebody, they'll be saying something, and then all of a sudden I'm, I get this thought, I'm like, okay, this is how I'm going to respond, and I'm holding on to that thought, and then guess what? I'm not really listening or processing what's happening. Anybody else with, the, with me on that? So we're called to be quick at hearing and slow to speak. Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We're talking about the gospel message, right? We're talking about the life-saving message of Jesus Christ and what that represents in us and our salvation but not only that, it's how we represent ourselves to other people. We have a lot of people and a lot of what they think is good intentions, but they are quick to speak. But they're found to be hypocrites. Or their speech that they're so quick to say is not met with love or grace. And so they become a very poor representation of who Jesus Christ is. And it's important that us as Jesus followers, that we hold on to this truth that saves our soul and, and carry it with delicacy and be able to deliver it with the same type of love that it was met with us. When Jesus came down and he came down to meet us where we're at in our mess, and because we were in our mess, he welcomed us in through his death and resurrection. And so he provides this precious gift. And so James is saying, he's like, hey, this is the word. These are the instructions that you're given so that it's not just left for you, but that we can deliver it to others. And so there's an importance for us to hold on to this, this gospel message, this truth, this hope, this life in Christ, and not dirty it up. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. A lot of times we can take what we hear and we, we just kind of throw it off to the side. But as a Jesus follower, I can't do that. And I don't think we should. We all should. I think we need to be able to hear what is going on and then actually do something. So when scripture says, go and serve, serve. When scripture says, hey, watch what you say with your mouth, we need to guard our mouths. We need to watch what we say. And not just here at church, because it's easy. You come in through these doors, and there's this like invisible barrier like, hey, it's church me. <laughs> right? And then we go walk out the door, and then what happens? We become the old me. You know, in my own t testimony in life, I've, I've been a Jesus follower since I was five, but there's a part of me that didn't take my walk with Jesus very seriously. So it was still kind of my old self. I would still act the same way. I would still speak the same way. And believe it or not, I had quite the mouth on me. 
And that was not okay because that wasn't representing Christ very well. And then me committed to Jesus looks like I carry myself, the way I act, the things that I do, but most importantly, the things I say matter. Not just in this setting, but more importantly, out in the world. Because we are called to be light to others, right? We're called to bring others into the kingdom, and we can't do that if, if our heart, who is supposedly for Jesus, doesn't match up with what we're saying. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, and if I freak out, there's like a fly, and if it flies in my mouth, you're going to see me freak out, so I'm just telling you right now. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Those are some pretty harsh words. If you don't bridle your tongue, but deceive your heart, this person's religion is worthless. The way that I take that is, my heart might be in the right place, but if my mouth is not in the right place, my religion is worthless. What good is it? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. There is a philosopher, and I'm sorry if I botch up his name, uh, Epictetus. Titus. And he said a pretty famous quote. It says, we have two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we speak. And that's a pretty, pretty insightful thing. And I think that's kind of true, but we don't live that out today. We tend to speak more than we listen. And that can hurt our testimony. That can hurt our discipleship. That can hurt relationships. And so James calls us to be slow to speak. All right, I got exercise. I thought this might be fun to do with you guys. I'm about to, I'm, we're going to play this video. And I want you guys to... The video is going to play, and I want you guys to, to pick one word. There'll be a word on the left or the right. I want you to look at it and listen to what you hear, okay? All right, let's play it. Okay, show of hands. How many heard Green Needle? Okay, how many of you guys heard Brainstorm? Okay. Raise, a, raise your hand again if you heard Green Needle, okay? How many of you guys are near 100%, like maybe 85, 90% that that's what you heard, okay? If we debated, I would ask you guys to come up, and you guys probably would plant your feet and be like, no, it says Green Needle. And then the other people who heard Brainstorm be like, no, you're ridiculous. I heard Brainstorm. It's clearly, that's what it is. That's us listening, right? But then we would be quick to speak. We'd be like, no, this is how it is. And we do that. Social media and other public platforms, we are so quick to listen, but we're quick to speak. 
We don't take time to actually process. We don't take time to actually wrestle through what we're hearing. And so we're so quick to jump on it, all right? Now we're going to do something. I want you guys, what it, so those of you guys who looked at Green Needle, I want you to look at the other word, brainstorm. And those of you guys who looked at brainstorm, look at the word Green Needle, and we're going to see what you hear. Go ahead and play it again. All right, show of hands. How many of you guys heard Brainstorm? Okay, a lot more. How many of you guys heard Green Needle? Okay. How many of you guys didn't do the exercise properly? <laughs> Thank you. But that's the thing. I mean, who is right? Who is right? And we wrestle through that. And there are things in our lives where that's going to happen. And our perspective is skewed based on what we hear. And, and we take a position and we're so quick to speak on that position about things without actually understanding, without actually processing, and without actually wrestling through. What does scripture say about this? God, what do you say? You know, and then, and without that, then we can speak and essentially be made a fool or we can lose credibility. And so what we say matters, but this morning I also want to say this. What we say has power. It has the power to give life, and it has the power to kill. So if we think about relationships, if we want to encourage people, we might say like, hey, good job, you can do it. You know, I know you've messed up, but keep on trying. We can do this, or we can get through this together. But on the opposite end, those same words have the power to kill when we say, you will never succeed. You're nothing but a failure. You've tried and you haven't succeeded, so just give up. Just quit. It's not worth it. You keep messing up. You're a terrible person. And those same words that we speak with our mouths have the power to give life in marriages and relationships and, and family relationships. I love you. I'm so lucky to have you. I'm so glad that you're my brother or my sister. I love you, Mom and Dad. I love you, Grandma and Grandpa. I know we're going through a tough time as a family right now, but we're going to get through this. We can walk through this together. Yet with those same mouths, with the same mouth, we can also kill that same relationship. You always say this. You never say this. I can't believe that we're together. I can't believe that you do this. And we say hurtful and, and, and mean things to one another. And, that, and that's love that we claim to carry as Jesus followers is lost. And, we, and again, you guys are probably going to hear me say this over and over because it's that important. It's like we have to watch what we say. Because we, again, we represent the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. And if we hope to bring others into the family, we have to bridle our tongue. Ephesians 4, 29 through 30 says, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The word corrupt, or in some translations, unwholesome talk, 
in this context, is defined as rotten, bad, or worthless. If I asked you to take an inventory of the things that you have said this past week, of all the speech that you gave, would you find that you've said stuff that was unwholesome or corrupt, stuff that was rotten, stuff that was bad, stuff that was worthless, things that, words that would tear people down, words that don't support the gospel message that you carry? And I don't say that to try to guilt you guys or make you feel bad, but hopefully you guys hear that and you're like, ooh, you know, you're right. You know, when, when I drive around, I know you guys probably hear this example all the time, but when we're by ourselves, probably driving around is when we're at our worst or can be at our worst because our guard is down, you know. So the things that I say when somebody cuts me off or when somebody upsets me at work and we use that as an excuse to just spew out filthiness, to spew out corruption, to spew out bad things, and we're not guarded. And we make an excuse because we're like, oh, I'm stressed out, or I'm sorry for this, and we add on all these excuses, but really there is no excuse because as a Jesus follower, we need to be guarded. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I don't know if you've thought about this, but there are people who watch you. There are people who are learning from you. And if we are bold in our faith and if we claim to be Jesus followers, show of hands, are you a Jesus follower? Yes or no? Okay. If you claim to be a Jesus follower, then you are being watched. You're being watched at work. You're being watched at home. You're being watched at school. You're being watched in the workplace. You're being watched on social media. There is nothing more eye-awakening than when my kids come running to me and repeat something that they shouldn't be repeating because dad or mom said something. You know? And then you're like, ooh, I'm in trouble. We got to correct that right away. But it shouldn't be like that. Because we as Jesus followers are called to be salt and light all the time. All the time. When we're by ourselves, when we're out in public, when we're on social media, we can't make excuses for this. We, we, we have got to walk this journey constantly. James chapter 3, starting in verse 3 through 6, says, If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide the whole body as well. Look at the ship also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. 
How great of a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongues of fire a wor world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among the members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So I think you guys have probably heard the analogy before, but big ships are huge, like the Titanic. And in, in size comparison, the rudder that steers them is super small. And yet all it takes is just a little bit of, little bit of a turn, and it can guide this huge ship. And as James mentioned, this bit is a very small piece that goes in the horse's mouth. And all it takes is a little bit of turning, and the horse, it'll move a horse. You guys remember Smokey the Bear? Only you can prevent forest fires. You guys remember that? One tiny cigarette in a dry grass can set ablaze a whole heap of forest. And just like our mouths, the things that we say can light a fire. Even if we're out, again, in social media or in public, but maybe it's, you say one thing over here, at church, you're like, oh, hey, yeah, you and I are best friends. You know, la, la, la. But then you come over here and be like, oh, my gosh, did you hear what they said? And we start gossiping, and we start saying things that we shouldn't be saying. I mean, Scripture's pretty clear. We shouldn't gossip. We shouldn't slander. And it's like, okay, got to bridle that tongue. You got to watch it because that can set apart such a huge fire. It can divide churches. It can divide congregations. It can divide friendships. It can break up families. It has the power, the immense amount of power to break apart a ton of things. And if we're not careful, we're going to allow that to happen. And the faith that we carry and this witness that we carry as a discipler will be lost. You know, I'm, I tend to mentor kids from the juvenile detention center. And they might say something to me, and they might say, like, oh, yeah, I did this. And it would be easy for me to hear that and be like, oh, well, you're a terrible person. I can't believe you did that. Like, no wonder you're in here. You deserve to be in here. And that wouldn't provide them with any hope. But if I'm really going to disciple, if I'm going to carry on this, this life-giving message, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to listen to his story, find out everything that's going on, and then try to encourage him, walk with him. But it doesn't do me any good is if he is over here trying to learn from me and then sees me out in public and the way that I treat the clerk or the way I talk about the clerk after the fact is not the same, same message of the walk that I've been trying to teach him. He's going to be like, what's wrong with you? You know, are you really a Jesus follower? And so we, we've got to keep, keep that going. James 3.11 says, Does the spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield its fresh water. Luke 6.43 says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn brushes, nor are grapes picked from bramble bushes. 
The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm going to challenge you guys this week. Take inventory of the things that you say. Guard your heart. Keep yourself the discipler, the representative of Jesus that you're called to be. When you're by yourself, when you're portraying yourself on social media, when you're at work, or if you're going to school, in all settings, guard yourself. I'm going to give you guys just a couple practical tips. Listen to be listened, or listen, excuse me, and then listen. So take some time when you have conversations, because this is a skill. Listening is a skill, but speaking is also a skill. So when you hear and when you engage in conversations, before you formulate a response, do your best to stop and listen and then listen. And what I mean by that is you will engage in conversation and then stop and listen. Process what they're saying. Listen for cues and tone of voice. Listen for their body posture. And if you're going to engage in a conversation, be present in that conversation. And listen, because there might be more going on. If I had a friend that come, come up to me and said, hey, how's it going? And I just sat there, was like, uh, fine. And they're like, oh, great, that's great. Let me tell you about how my day is going. It's like they, they're missing something. Because the way that I am, my tone of voice and, and the way I'm portraying myself obviously says there's something is not right. And so it's important to, to listen, process it, listen, and then do something with it. Process and then respond. Respond in kind. If you see that something's going on, you've taken the time to listen and you can respond. This is where the slow to speak comes into place. You can, you can actually know how to respond and then address the situation. If somebody's struggling with something, you can work through that. If they're celebrating something, celebrate with them. One of the most important, I think, insightful things that I was taught as a young leader was don't be the most important person in the room. If you treat everybody else as if they were the most important thing, their conversations were the most important thing, you will appear to be a much better listener and a much better communicator. And the last thing to ask yourself is, is this going to build the person up? Is what I'm about to say going to be edifying to the situation? And don't get me wrong, what I'm saying is not... Uh, uh, we're going to just pour out a whole bunch of grace and truth and love and forget about truth over here. We're not just going to be all about grace, but we got to also have some truth. So we see in Ephesians 4.29, it says, no, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for the building or for building up as it fits the occasion that it might give grace to those who hear. So there'll be times where we'll celebrate when we need to celebrate. But if, if I've got a brother that's caught up in sin, I'm not just going to be like, oh, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. If I've got a brother that's caught up in sin, I have a choice. 
I can be like, oh, you're a terrible person. I can't believe that you're caught up in sin. You're going to hell. Or I might say, hey, man, I see that this is going on in your life, or I appreciate you sharing that. Let's walk through it together. Let's find you some accountability, you know? This is not the, the plan. This is not the life that God wants for you. So let's walk through it together. Hey, I know your marriage is, is not going so well, so let me walk with you. Let me help encourage you. Let's get some counseling or let's do some stuff, you know? I know it's more in-depth than that, but I'm just saying that there's a difference on how we treat that because Jesus tackled all these issues from a perspective of grace and truth. So there's a time and place for grace, but there's also a time and place for truth. But how we tackle that truth matters. And that's one of the things that James wants to communicate and Paul communicates as well. It's like, hey, what you say and how you say it matters. And so this week, I would encourage you guys, take an inventory of the things that you're saying, the way that you communicate, because it's, it's important. It's important to your discipleship. It's important to your relationships. But more importantly, if, again, as we claim ourselves to be Jesus followers, the way that we communicate represents the gospel message that's inside of us.